Hello and welcome to Strat News Global. I am Subrat Nanda and I have with me Brent Huser, Professor, Department of Nuclear, Plasma and Radiological Engineering, University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. And today we will take up some burning questions on Japan's decision to release treated water from the Fukushima nuclear plant into the Pacific Ocean. Professor, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Subrat. Uh, it's great to be here and I appreciate the opportunity to uh, speak with you and your audience. And greetings from the United States. Thanks. The Japanese Prime Minister has called the decision realistic, is it? I think it is realistic. They have to do something. Uh, the overall goal is to decommission the Fukushima Daiichi site. And the first step is to dispose of the tremendous amount of water they have. Uh, they have... Uh, they'll eventually have, in a couple years, approximately 1.4 million metric tons of water. Uh, their plan is to filter the water out and take uh, the long, very long-lived actinides. So these are actinides uh, that are formed during transmutation, during regular uh, nuclear operation from uh, uranium isotopes, and then also fission products. Uh, fission products typically aren't as long-lived. Actinides, some actinides have half-lives uh, uh, of uh, approaching a million years. So they're going to filter those out of the water, and then what will be left is tritium. And their plan is to release it over four decades. So after filtering it, they're going to dilute it, and then they're going to release it over a very long period of time into the largest body of water on the face of the earth. So I think it's realistic and I think their motivation ultimately is to decommission the Diachi site, which must be done. Why did it take 10 years for Japan to decide? Couldn't it uh, have been done? Que excellent question. Um, it took this long for a few reasons. Uh, first of all, the, the site had to be stabilized. Four out of the six units were destroyed Three of them were operating at the time of the tsunami and were shut down immediately, but we know the events that transpired after shutdown. And, and all of this water, by the way, this 1.4 metric tons of water was stored on site. It was the water they used to, to cool it and bring the, the four reactors to a, a safe situation. So in the since the accident, they've been stabilizing the site. They've done a remarkable job in preventing any contamination from getting into the, the groundwater. Obviously, during the tsunami and immediately after that, large areas of land were, were rendered uh, in uninhabitable. And I want to, before I get back to the question, um, I, I want to mention that the accident itself lost, did not lead to any loss of life. The tsunami it's estimated that approximately 20,000 people lost their lives in the tsunami, but the accident did have significant and profound ecological impacts. It's, it's rendered large areas of land uninhabitable, but, but no one died from the accident itself. Now, back to your question about why it took 10 years. They had to stabilize the site. This, this is not something that just transpires uh, in a short amount of time. They had to wait and technology had to be developed. They had to develop radiation hard robots that they could send in. They had to interrogate the site. All of this had to be done safely. They had to stabilize the structures. 
these things take time. And the fact that they're ready to decommission 10 years later, I think is a testament to the effort they've put in. Because if you look at the other really bad acts that the world has seen, Chernobyl, that site will never be decommissioned. What they have done is simply they've built a huge sarcophagus over it, and it's going to be our legacy to somebody hundreds if not thousands of years later. The Japanese don't want to do that. They want to decommission it, so uh, the site, and bring it back to a situation where eventually it can be used again. So it could not have been done earlier. They've been working very hard over the last 10 years to do the things I said, stabilize the site uh, and, and, get, and, and have everything prepared so that they can begin decommissioning. And the first step is the water is being stored. This 1.4 million metric tons of water is being stored in large tanks. They need that space for for the decommissioning activities and furthermore decommissioning means you get rid of all radioactivity what whatever whatever it is if it's structural if it's fuel or water it has to be removed from the site so this gets back to your first question it, it it's a realistic uh, decision to release it into the ocean there really are no alternatives what do you make of the opposition by japan's neighbors China has even challenged Japan's leaders to drink the water if they feel it's safe. Is it more about geopolitics than concern for the environment? Yes, all good questions. I'll, I'll answer the last question first. It's hard to know if it's geopolitical or environmental. Scientific reasoning and logic dictates that what the Japanese are proposing is reasonable. It's it will have zero environmental impact. The release of tritium, uh, and we can get into that, what it exactly means to release tritium into a large body of water, but the release of tritium into the Pacific Ocean over 40 years will have zero environmental impact. And if their neighbors are worried about the Pacific Ocean and the China Sea or whatever bodies of water, that they care about, there are much bigger issues. We are polluting our oceans. We dump eight, eight tons of plastic into the ocean annually. Uh, this is an estimate by uh, Woods Hole Oce Oceanographic Institute. So eight tons of plastic is dumped into the ocean on an annual basis. That plastic gets ground up and broken down and it leads to something called microplastic, which are small particles of plastic that then enter the marine food chain. And plastics are toxic. They have toxic chemicals such as PCBs. So I would say to the neighbors, China, Taiwan, South Korea, if you're worried about this, you're missing the bigger picture. You should be much more worried about the current pollution in the ocean. I didn't mention mercury. Uh, tuna, which is at the top of the food chain. It's recommended that pregnant women do not eat tuna because of mercury and the effect mercury has on our bodies. And, and obviously, fetuses should not be exposed to mercury via the ingestion of, of while they're in the womb. So, so there are much bigger issues that everybody should be, not just China, Taiwan, and South Korea, everybody should be concerned about when it comes to the health of our oceans 
and toxic chemicals that have entered the marine food chain. So you, you said that China challenged Japanese leaders to drink the water. I'll offer you an analogy. Uh, imagine I gave you a glass of pure lemon juice, not diluted. And I said, please drink this. It's really important for this other group of people that you drink it. And you say, well, it's pure lemon juice. I don't want to drink that. That's really going to mess me up. It's very sour. It's going to be horrible. I say, okay, I'm going to take this one glass of pure lemon juice and I'm going to make five gallons of lemonade. Now I'm going to give you a glass of lemonade. Will you please drink this? And that will help all of these other people. And you say, well, that's much better. But you know what? I really don't like lemonade. Then I say, okay, fine. You can drink the lemonade one drop at a time over the course of 40 years. And when you take that drop of lemonade, you can drink a glass of water at the same time. You'd probably say, okay, I don't like lemonade, but that doesn't sound too bad. So the point is that to say, you know, drink a glass of this is not the right thing. It's going to be incredibly dilute. That's the point. So would I take a drop of this water that's been mixed into a gallon and drink the gallon of water over a course of a day? If it had, if, if all it has in it is tritium, which is what the Japanese are saying? Yes, because it's a, it's a minute amount of tritium and it would have no physical uh, it would have no impact on my uh, physical health. Uh, so I think that kind of those kinds of statements have been made before, and they're very misleading to the public. And so I think it does a disservice to people who don't have the expertise to truly understand what very small doses of radiation mean. We live with radiation. There's radiation in our environment. The largest repository of uranium in the world are the oceans of the world. There is carbon-14 in our bodies. There's potassium-40 in our bodies. Whenever you eat a banana, you eat radioactivity. Uh, there's radon in soil and in building materials. So uh, I think it's these kinds of statements um, stoke the fears of people who don't truly understand radiation, and I, and I don't think uh, it, it's very helpful. Now, the opposition, is, so I, I don't think that the opposition of, of Japan's neighbors to this release in a very controlled, dilute, responsible way um, is based on scientific reasoning and logic. I think it's based, perhaps it's geopolitical, or it's just based on incorrect information. I doubt that. I mean, China is a technologically sophisticated country. Taiwan is. South Korea is. So I, I do not understand. As you know, the United States, we also share the Pacific Ocean. We, we've said it's reasonable. The Inter International Atomic Energy Agency, the IAEA, has said it's reasonable and have, have uh, given... Uh, have endor endorsed the plan. So I, I don't understand the opposition and I don't agree with it. I think it's, it's safe, it's reasonable, and it's a necessary first step in order for them to decommission the site, which is in everybody's best interest, especially the citizens of Japan. Japanese fishermen are worried about losing their livelihoods. Will the released water impact marine life? 
Yeah, absolutely not. They don't need to be worried about losing their livelihoods. So, so what does that mean to lose their livelihood? They're still going to be able to catch fish. This release is going to have no impact on marine life. It's not going to kill fish. It's not going to change any reproductive processes that occur in the ocean. It's not going to destabilize the marine food chain. It will have no impact. So the fish will still be there. The other question is, oh, they catch the fish, then they go to try to sell it, and the people that, the, that they would normally sell to say, well, now we've screwed up the oceans because of this release, we're no longer going to buy fish. I don't think that will happen. I think if the right information is put out there, that if you realize, so the amount of water, this 1.4 metric tons, is one part in 10 to the 12th of the ocean. So if you took one drop of it, it rep the, the corresponding body of water that you'd be putting one drop in would be 10 to the 12th drops. So it's incredibly dilute and it's going to go everywhere. It's not just going to stay there. There's, you know, there's circuit, there are the ocean currents. Eventually it's going to show up in Russia. I, I haven't heard of, that Russia's upset about it. Russia, the Bering Sea, the Bering Straits, all, all of our crab comes from the Bering Sea in the United States. It's going to come to Canada. It's going to come to Florida. It's going to go down to South America. It will, it's, we all share the Pacific Ocean and it will be dilute. So I don't think the fish, the Japanese fishermen need to worry about losing their livelihoods. But the key point is that the public needs to understand that this has no environmental impact and it will not have an impact on marine life. So from what you're saying, awareness is the key. What are the global best practices when it comes to disposing of radioactive waste? Okay, so, so first of all, we, we all have to understand that this is a one-off. It's yeah. not like, this is not going to set a precedent. It's not like all nuclear reactors are going to say, okay, well, now we can dump our, our, our coolant water. First of all, coolant is contained. This is a unique situation. They generated all this water to stabilize their facilities. That's never happened before. So this is not going to set any kind of a precedent. So uh, the global best practices for disposing of radioactive waste never involves water. It involves fuel and other structural materials. And the technology exists. So in the United States, we have what's called an open fuel cycle. The fuel goes in, the fuel comes out, and we store it. And we're storing it for right now an indefinite period of time which is not realistic but other countries do reprocess fuel and the technology is there the best thing you can do is reprocess the fuel pull out the fission products pull out the actinides and create what's called a low level waste form which then can be stored for geological periods of time but the world really hasn't figured out what to do with nuclear waste there are best practices. The technology exists. The problem is it costs a lot of money. Can J Japan do it better? No. Japan is part of the global nuclear energy community. They participate in the IAEA. They bought into nuclear in the 1960s. Uh, they had to. Nuclear power is clean. It's safe. 
And it makes sense for an island nation like Japan that has a very large population and doesn't have natural resources to draw upon. So it's unfortunate that they've pulled away from nuclear energy. So the global practices are uh, right to in the United States, storing it. Like I said, we don't reprocess a lot of fuel, uh, but the technologies are there. Uh, other countries are, are more actively reprocessing, and it's something that we have to figure out. It needs to be part of, uh, for each country has to figure out their, uh, their environmental policy, and that's something that we're not very good at. I'm sorry, not environmental, their energy policy. In, in the United States, this is not something we're very good at. But those policies have to dovetail globally because we all share the same bodies of water we, and we all breathe the same air. So you didn't ask me this, but nuclear energy needs to be part of a balanced energy portfolio, portfolio that involves renewables and battery technology so that we can all move away from fossil fuel. On that note, Professor Huser, thanks very much for your time. It was a pleasure talking to you. Oh, it was great to talk to you, and thank you for the opportunity to speak with you and your audience. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.